a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a rock. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, we have Yogi Zorananda. He is unbelievable. We met on a Union of the Unwanted spiritual show, which I am going to be linking down in the show notes, as well as Alt Media United uh, and a few other things that are that reference the conversation, guys. So uh, we talk about his book, Future Life Progression, which will also be located down in the show notes, his podcast, Renegade Yogi Podcast, which a good friend of ours, uh, Mark Steves, kind of encouraged him to start. So we're all grateful for Mark. He's out there fighting the good fight. And uh, this is one of the most incredible conversations, guys. So Yogi uh, talks about his DMT experiences, which are fascinating. Also his uh, yoga and what he does is his practice. So this is a remarkable conversation with an interesting fella. You guys are really, really going to enjoy this. So uh, if you would like to check out our affiliate links down there for Food Forced Abundance, make sure that you get your freedom from fear on as well as if you want to start your own podcast. Uh, the Libsyn link is down there. That's who I host through, so y'all check that out. And then if you are going to buy anything on Amazon, uh, a book, uh, Future Life Progression, perhaps, Yogi's book, then do it through the affiliate link that I've got located down in the show notes. It helps the show. Also, if you would like to expand your experience with us here on Expanding Reality, you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is going to be where links to Rockfin for our premium content, as well as on our website, and also all the socials, merch merchandise, all that kind of good stuff is located there, guys. So uh, without any further ado, let's give it up for Yogi Zorananda. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcoming to the show. It is Yogi Zorananda. He is here hanging out and we are extremely excited. Uh, you and I met on a Union of the Unwanted and it had That's like, right. you know, Christopher the Astro Medium, Amy Belair, and we were all hanging out, having an awesome time. And uh, I just, you stuck out, man, like crazy. And so I definitely wanted to have you by and invite you into our house to have a chat with us. So Yogi, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's... Um in the evening for me and i i'm on a bit of a run this is my fifth podcast in the last like week and a half Jeez. i just yeah just like the whole community around um like what mark steves is doing and um a few others i've i've been invited onto yeah just many shows and so i'm just super excited to be here cuz we did plan to do something back in november and um yeah, just understanding how, you know, things can change and, um, you know, there's a necessary timing for things. And so when you texted me like last week to be like, yep, I'm ready, let's do it. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. This is great. It's it's that divine timing thing. And I hated that. I stacked for the holidays and I was like, God damn it, dude. And so um, <laughs> I overbooked and there's like four Christmases we were involved with and one of them slipped my mind. So I was like, great. Anyway, so uh, thank you for being gracious. But I agree with you. It's this uh, divine timing thing. That's how this always works out. And anytime uh, I want to say... There's a podcast that we all love, and I love them. I'm not going to say who it is because of those people that are going to take me the wrong way. But they canceled on me six times in a row. Like, hey, all right, come on. I was like, cool, yeah, let's do this. And they canceled. And then he right back, hey, dude, come on. But what was so great about it is it set up to be one of the coolest conversations I've ever had. And had it been like any of the other five times, you know, that we didn't, air quotes, didn't make it happen, uh, it wouldn't have been the same. So I'm, I'm right there with you, dude. I know this is going to be amazing. Um, I can't wait. Like I said, uh, you're incredible. So um, do me a favor for the audience that doesn't know too much about you. Just uh, let us know a little bit about who you are, brother. Yeah. So essentially I'm a yogi, which means that, uh, I'm a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher and a overall like yoga practitioner where it's something that is a part of my daily life in some way. If it's not, 
um, you know, like the traditional kind of like yoga class asana practice. It's um, me applying yoga philosophy just throughout my day and, um, you know, considering it a lifestyle that I carry with me day in and day out. Um, then on just like the normal side, I'm also just a regular dude. You know, I live in a city just like everyone else and I have a day job and, um, you know, that's what takes care of, takes care of my bills and allows me to, you know, have the place that I have. And, um, my side hobbies are music and a podcast that I have. So, um, yeah, I've, I've really been focusing in on music recently. I'm working on my fourth album and this one is particularly special to me because I'm doing a lot of vocal training. So I'm going to be singing on it for the first time. And, um, yeah, I grew up playing guitar. So I've been a, a guitarist since I was like 15. So that's, Holy shit. You know, that's, uh, like 18, 19, 19 years, almost 18 years. <laughs> it's been and a yeah. And so I'm just finding that life is particularly exciting amidst everything that's happening in the world. And that I've honed in on focusing on a few different things in my life that are a part of my passions and a part of my career. And um, the podcast one is really interesting because it's how I met you and it's how I met like this whole community that would not have happened if, um, you know, a few different synchronicities didn't happen, you know, with writing my book, um, you know, meeting Mark Steves and then Mark actually encouraging me to start my podcast. Cause, um, I was like, I had in my mind that it was going to be in like two years from now. Right. I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm going to wait. And then Mark's like, no, 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 man. It's way easier than you think. Just start it now. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> I, I got to say this though, about your renegade yogi podcast, man. I checked it out and your videos, dude, the way that you have your guests. Okay. I, I this is like the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. So for the, um, for the audio uh, only audience, check out the video link in the show notes. I'm going to put a clip from the video up here and show exactly how you do this with the two chairs side by side, small table, so set, but then it's a remote guest. And so you have a, a picture over, you know, the, the shot that's them as their Zoom call. I, I love it as your remote call. It's a brilliant thing. It's just kind of floating on the chair there and I enjoy the hell out of it. Did you have plans to like decorate it or anything for the holidays depending, you know? Um, no. So lately I, I like, I kind of strayed away from that just because of how much work is involved. But, um, yeah, typically, um, I, that's just, yeah, how I put it up so that, um, yeah, it just feels like that person is there. Right. So it's not just like, oh, you're looking at a zoom call. It's like, oh, you know, there's a guest in, in that place. So yeah, that's, yeah, thanks. That's cool. That's the thing about it is it's so simple. It's one of those things everyone kicks themselves in the nuts for not thinking of, but it's so brilliant <laughs> because it's so sweet. It is. It's like you're there hanging out with the Zoom call in a, in a chair next to you. It's Again, dude, I just thought it was a very nice touch. It just shows your attention to detail and the work that you put in into the experiencer of people receiving your message. So thanks again, dude. I appreciate it. So uh, how did Mark talk you? And, uh, Mark, Steve's a uh, good friend. We love that guy. Uh, we have been on each other's shows. Awesome, awesome, dude. I agree with you. This whole network is just insane. The whole Alt yeah. Media United network, which I will be linking in the show notes, so you guys go check that out. We're a part of that. Uh, very, very cool shit. So, um, tell me, uh, how did he talk you into this? So, I think he was already kind of planning the Alt Media United kind of collective, and I and I think he was at the beginning of it. And so, I I think I was one of the kind of first people um that he wanted kind of to join in on it and obviously you know he had a whole bunch of other people but because 
um, you know, I did Sam's uh, zero show, then I did his show and then we just um, like connected really well and a friendship just started to grow out of our conversations um, that it just felt natural for him to extend that invite, you know, and to, and to get me a part of it. Um, so it was really that simple. And he also coined the name of my podcast. Right. So he actually just like called me a renegade Yogi one day on the, um, on one of the episodes and that just stuck with me and I'm like, Holy shit, that's a great name. And so I just thought, yeah, renegade Yogi podcast. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's perfect, dude, and ripe. I mean, I yeah. love it. it. It all works, man. It all totally works. Um, yeah. So, uh, what is your favorite part about podcasting? I'm just curious about what you think of it as somebody just getting into it. What's something that like you love about it, and what's something that's harder than you thought it would be? Yeah, what I love um, is the conversations and the opportunity to meet new people. So. And what kind of opportunities just come out of that as well, you know, with um, like meeting yourself and meeting Lindsay and uh, several others. So I, I really love the camaraderie of, of all of that and and how there's obviously um, like a like a sense of community that's growing. Um, the challenging thing is just the timing of everything of um like for me, I'm just like really bad at consistency. So I'll like write down on my board that I'm doing two episodes a week and then like a week and a half will go by and I'm like, Oh fuck. Okay. I need to like, um, uh, I need to record stuff and I need to like reach out to people. So it's, it's the accountability part of that responsibility for me. And, um, I'm feeling like, I'm, I'm, I've got a handle of it, you know, like I uploaded an episode yesterday, I recorded an episode as well. So I have the next one coming out, um, for Wednesday. And right now I'm just doing solo episodes of, um, a particular kind of like yoga philosophy. And, and then I have like a guest lined up for Saturday and, you know, then the next part is going to kind of kick in where I start reaching out to people and start, um, asking them to be on guests. And, and what I find is like, yeah, most people are like, yeah, man, I'd love to, let's do it. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and then there's also just like personal situational things. Like, um, I have a big, uh, Pyrenees dog that, uh, doesn't really <laughs> like people coming into my house. So there's a, a bit of a limiting factor of like, okay, if I have like, in-person guests i have to like consider that um zoom guests are fine obviously because i can work around the technology and you know he can just kind of sit here with me like he is now he's kind of whining a bit but <laughs> <laughs> you can't even hear him dude that's a good mic great You're good great yeah. uh what's well, uh, awesome and I'm, I'm just grateful that you're having fun with it and that's the thing right like the best thing about podcasting is you could do anything you want the worst part about it is you could do anything you want so really like finding out what your niche is and and going where you know as long as you just are quiet and you point your feet downstream shit just pops up man like you said these connections and it just leads to these incredible incredible connections in bigger bigger ways that you never would have predicted it's awesome yeah. man. so welcome to it brother I'm, I'm grateful you're doing it dude i think it's cool and you're doing great thank you so uh let's talk about your book future life progression i love this uh please tell me about your book so it is a manual that details a particular meditation that I, I say created but i i don't really like saying the word created i just um curated techniques and methods in a more streamlined way of um, bringing your attention into your heart and from the space in your heart, um, navigating its realm to contact your future self. And each chapter goes into exercises and meditations that builds into the eventual meeting of your future self in that realm. So, and, um, 
interwoven through that are kind of like philosophies that I've learned and insights that I've gained over the last 12 years of being a yoga and meditation teacher, and then stories of psychedelic experiences and dreams and other phenomenal experiences I've had throughout my life. And then um, the end of it is a theory that I have about DMT and endogenous DMT. And so it's um, really is not only this like methodology of this meditation, it's also this kind of like life theory that I have of um, why we are like here as human beings and you know what does that mean and how do we go forward advancing ourselves um, amidst you know the um, seemingly chaos of our world right so um yeah that's i would say that's the bulk of it in a in a paragraph <laughs> in a paragraph it's beautifully said man i appreciate it and of course we're going to link this down in the show notes and all the ways to find you so guys definitely check my buddy out he's amazing so i, I did want to ask you um about the future self thing so what in your mind is when when we say future self what does that mean um it's actually quite simple so it is all centered around your heart okay so um, right now your heart is beating and you can bring your perception of it and you can bring attention to it by it's like four most noticeable quality of the heartbeat and the heartbeat is facilitated by the circulation of our body and then also its own electric magnetic field and we all we know this like it's now kind of scientifically proven that there's um that there's this energy to it that is measurable so that energy is not bound by time right because we can't see it it's elusive to space and so it enters into time as one duration of past, present, future. And so our heartbeat right now is actually interacting with the heartbeats of our past Damn. and interacting with the heartbeats of our future. So think of it this way. So rather than immediately trying to project your mind into like far, far, far future, right? Just think of tomorrow. Okay. So for any of you listening to this, tomorrow or the next day, you're going to think about this episode, right? So when it's tomorrow, you're going to be thinking about the past. So that means right now, your tomorrow is thinking about you right now. So that's all connected through the heart. Even though that seems kind of convoluted, it's actually quite simple when you allow yourself to be in the place of your heart to feel that field and how it interacts with all the other fields of your own hearts. And so what this meditation does is it helps navigate through that energetic field. So then you can tune to a version of yourself and tune to the heart of that version of yourself and come in contact with it and to receive information and guidance from it. That's incredible. So this is what the idea of like spirit guides are. And we've talked about this on the show quite a bit, that your spirit guides are just your higher version of you, like the you you really know you can be. And it's it's there. It's it's it, potentiality. And so therefore it exists. And so therefore you're living it. And that's what you're really calling upon whenever you do exercises like this. And I like the way of visualizing this because a lot of people don't even take this sort of action with anything, let alone picturing themselves, putting themselves in a higher perspective to align with that version of themselves. Because this is the big secret to all of this. You don't change anything outside of you. You change you and the outside world is a mirror to you of you. Mm -hmm. So this is the secret to all of this shit. But what I love is you have practical applications for this and you lay it out in a very creative, very honest way, which is great. A lot of this stuff, and let's just be honest, can turn a lot of people off as far as it's like woo woo and about all of this. So you have practical ways that get actual results that tie in traditional practices, which are brilliant. Like I said, the way that you go about it's perfect, dude. So um, I, I did want to ask, because uh, we've also talked about here about 
like this isn't only measurable with like EMF meters and stuff here now about the electromagnetic element to your to your heart, but also uh, the idea is practical whenever you apply it to quantum physics in the way of quantum entanglement. So the idea that one particle is affected, the other one is affected. So if everything's just particles, even across air quotes time, then if one is affected, like what you're talking about, you're tapping into that. You're bringing those beats here. They're the same beat. It's beating at the same time. You're just the one moving or progressing through this experience from that perspective. So I, I dig the shit out of it, dude. Um, so do you think that there's anything to the idea that you can heal past traumas by healing yourself now and any version of yourself in any reality? Yeah, um, I have an exercise uh, that I call retrieval that came about from uh, a fairly traumatic experience that happened to myself where... I cut my wrist open while working and it was pretty gnarly and pretty bad. Like I watched myself do it. Um, and so the week after this accident, I was getting pretty strong flashbacks of it. So like kind of borderline PTSD, but not like extreme PTSD, but enough to be uncomfortable where if I'm just kind of at work or I'm doing something and I'm suddenly placed back in that whole event and I'm watching myself do it over and over and over again, where when I went into meditation one day and I went into my heart and I just sat in that space, I suddenly received guidance on what to do with those flashbacks. And what my heart guided me into was this exercise of bringing the past experience up into the forefront of my mind, but not going into it, like not like being myself in it and reliving it. I was, um, watching it and my heart told me, um, the energy in the story is what keeps the image and keeps the trauma going. So you need to take the energy back from the story. And what I was guided to visualize is when I inhaled that this like golden kind of like shimmering light was coming out of the story and out of the images and back into my heart. And then um, the guidance told me, yeah, do this every day for a week and you'll see that it'll be gone. And lo and behold, all of those flashbacks were gone. And so that doesn't mean that I didn't have, I don't have the capability of remembering it because obviously I do, I can bring it back whenever I want, but now the potency of it is gone. The cyclical patterning of that energy being in it is gone. And that's what in, um, like inspired me to then use that as an exercise within the book. Um, and what I found is when I started to um, do that afterwards, that my heart would just bring up random things that the heart would be like, Oh, look at this one. Oh, look at this one. Look at this thing from your childhood. Look at this thing from, you know, however many years ago. And what I found is that um, that kind of like, random bringing up was a way for the heart to deal with trauma in a safe container where it's not in the confine of your kind of in your brain in this like compartmentalized sense where you, there's a lot of struggle around how to cope with the, the images and like the flashbacks and the stories, right. That um, when I was, uh, leading monthly workshops and like monthly meditations, people would ask me, well, um, you know, well, if, if you're bringing up this traumatic experience and you're bringing the energy into your heart, aren't you just bringing like negative energy into your heart? And the simplest thing was like, no, because you are converting it from this negative sense back into its original form and it's, and that's why I call it retrieval. You're retrieving the original essence of the energy that is your heart. And so within your heart, it doesn't have a bias of what's positive and negative. It just sees everything as this energy. And so it gladly brings it back to itself and, um, uh, kind of heals it 
from a fractured state to a now more whole state, right? Just by reinterpreting it from your now higher perspective, you just see it, you you take that power back or that essence of what was given over by you in that moment, and then now it just stopped reoccurring. That's fascinating, man. Mm -hmm. um, so you were just presented with other traumas that you needed to address just one after another until you went through them. Was there ever a stopping point? Like, did it ever just kind of die off? Like, all right, you've gone through the list. You're good. Yeah, essentially, that's um, kind of how I felt what happened because the more and more I was doing these meditations of going to my heart, yeah, there was um, new levels that I entered into. And so the next level, there wasn't this need for examining all the, tra all the traumas. Now it was exploring a whole new state of being. And um, so there, there is this um, like kind of critical mass of integration. I think that occurs when you've done enough healing that the, the state of integration now holds itself whole so that when you enter into the next level of, of like meditative consciousness and, you know, the realm within your heart, that your heart is intuitively guiding you deeper and deeper and wants to show you more and more of, you know, what compassion and empathy and unconditional love is um, beyond just the words that they are, right? Do you think that this way is for everyone or do you think that there are different ways that we all are presented with opportunities to transmute either traumas or new opportunities to learn more about ourselves or our place, uh, you know, our role here, our relationship to, to the experience. Uh, do you think that it, the, your path is something that anyone can pick and that's something that you recommend, or do you think that it's going to be different for everybody? I honestly think it's going to be different for everybody. And this is something that I realized um, just in my pursuit of yoga and meditation is that, essentially what I put together in, in this book is what I feel my own meditation is. And so for people who read the book, um, what I encourage is after they've done the exercises, you know, um, and, and found some utility to them that when they encourage themselves to go into their hearts more and more and more that their own heart will show them their own way to do it. And I am much more of an advocate that to that than saying like, no, 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 my way is the only way, because that is the problem I think of the kind of meditation world and the new age kind of spirituality world is that you, you know, in the past you've had these like brilliant kind of masters but they were really hard headed in um, the modality that they taught that it was like the best that there ever was. Right. And I don't want to approach it that way because I think the, um, the, the evolution that we're going through is a realization that we all have our own capability of going into deep meditation and that's up to us to find out. And so someone like me who teaches meditation, I can only lead to a certain point where then self-mastery kicks in and you're responsible for how that self-mastery within yourself takes shape and starts to grow and starts to show you what's the best way going forward from that point. You know, exposing kids to stuff like this at a young age teaches just such, in, has incredible wonders. Studies have been done on this. Schools are now, now, a few schools are starting to adopt this practice of meditation, mindfulness, and this, you know, just calm sense. And there's been incredible results that have, that have yielded out of this. Do, do you feel that there's like a wave of these children that are coming out here now? I know that they're referred to as like indigo children or rainbow children or something like that, where they're just basically, I guess, just a boiled or reduced version of it would be that they're just high vibe 
vibe. Uh, they've got a high intuition, empathetic, empathic as hell. Uh, and um, they, they just seem to latch onto these ideas and seem to be altering the collective consciousness in this youth uh, group. You know, it's, it's very interesting. So what do you think the next wave looks like after that? You know, these kids come up like what what does 20 years look like from now? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And <clears throat> the way that I've thought about that is when you look at, um, say, like our generation of practitioners, like people who are maybe in their late 20s to mid 30s, um, and they spent the last maybe 10 to 15 years practicing yoga, getting into meditation, all those things, is that there are fundamental physiological, biological, and chemical changes that happen to the body from doing certain yoga practices, kundalini practices, breathing techniques. And so those fundamental physiological changes are expediting evolution within human consciousness, right? So even though your body kind of relatively looks the same, but if you notice that with like kind of staunch yoga practitioners who are humble, when they get into their older years, they still look super young. Right. And it's like, it's, it's amazing. And so what I think is happening is that consciousness is only fixed to a particular timeline due to attachment and focus within the material possession of that timeline. And so when you adopt a yoga and spiritual practice that takes you out of that obsession, you actually expand your consciousness beyond that timeline and you enter into further reaching timelines that would be like in the future, even though your body is still in the present, your consciousness is expanding into um, like greater reaches of space. And so for people to come together and have children when they've done all that work and they're in that expanded consciousness, those children are now at that point, they're born in that consciousness. And so their advancement is now like 10 to a hundred fold compared to what the parents did. Cause the parents had to do all this work to get to that point. Now the children are just born in there. And then suddenly they are just naturally kind of enlightened. They're just naturally advanced. And, you know, of course they're still human. So they're going to have their, you know, whatever they're suffering through and um, the challenges that they have, but then, they're going to have a state of being and they're going to have an awareness of how to treat each other that older generations don't get. Right. So like, say like our parents or, um, you know, at like kind of like the boomers of, you know, to say it that way. And, and I think that's just the natural course of our humanity right now. We're on an upswing of an, of ascension. Right. So, the more spiritual practitioners can actually get together and have children and encourage the growth of humanity in that way, then we're just going to see more and more kids. So in like 10, 20, 30 years from now, there are just going to be children that are like noticeably advanced even more than they are now. Like look at like musical prodigy children, like videos of five-year-olds that are playing like the craziest Mozart, it's right? Insane. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something um, within their capacity to process information that like maybe we didn't have when we were kids, you know, because I, I look at my niece and sh she's three years old and I'm like, I like none of us were like this, you know, like with how just like on top of everything she is and like literally brilliant. It's just so amazing to see. And I remember when I was like three or four years old, you know, and like just the minor things that I was obsessed with. And, um, that to me is like a, as an interesting, um, indication of what's happening naturally. And my brother and his wife aren't even spiritual practitioners, you know? So I think there's, um, there's like a degree of extreme that's happening. Right. So if you were to go on the end of just like not spiritual practitioners, but children are being born still in an advanced state to like 
really devout practitioners and children like just being geniuses, right? Yeah, absolutely. It seems like a shift in uh, priority for the kids based on the time that we live in, which of course, that this makes sense. Like ours isn't what, you know, our grandparents that went through the uh, Dust Bowl, you know, we didn't have the same experience, right? We did, we weren't presented with the same challenges. And what's interesting about the what you said about the speed in which they're able to pr- uh, kind of process information has to do with the pr- amount of information that they have access to, which is an yeah. endless amount. Now, what's interesting is like our generation, I mean, we're about the same age, something like that. You're like 10 years younger than me, probably. But uh, we uh, had to, you know, just not, um, we had to survive, you know, we had to be home when the streetlight came on, we, you know, all of those things. So we kind of had a half early life, half, you know, internet age or whatever, but them growing up like now, uh, with with all of the technology and information uh, access that they have, I think that what they're learning here and the skill that they acquire is discernment, and they're figuring out what is right information and what is not, what resonates with them, the ideas that they want to propagate and the ones that they don't. So they're able to navigate that from that perspective. Now, to what you said about the children that are born to high vibe uh, couples, absolutely. Like this is this is one of these things, you know, we encourage, you know, we want to see this. So uh, that's awesome. But uh, what I would say is to the kids that aren't and that are introduced to this in school is like an activity. This is one of the cool things, like an alternative to PE or something like that, is they could just be mindful, sit on a yoga mat for a little bit, maybe even participate in yoga. But what I like about it is that of all the things at that age that their subconscious is exposed to that plant the seeds for their rest of their entire life or that they need to address later before they can move on to a, their highest self, uh, then as as one of those things, this is a damn good alternative. And it's one of those practices that if implemented early enough uh, and mindfully enough, then it does just propagate this incredible experience for these children for the rest of their lives. You hear about huge CEOs and executives that practice this stuff, that, that are successful by even the matrix's standards. So um, I, I like this concept. I like that we're moving into this and I completely agree with you dude yeah and the thing about meditation um is um on like a physical level what it's doing to the brain what it's doing to the nervous system right so if if there's a known benefit for adults to do to meditate Right. And, you know, you have all these kind of apps that can um, lead you through all types of meditations. And there are reviews and, um, you know, write ups of many people saying how it's changed their life. Then you think about a child doing it and starting at such an early age. um, Then I can't help but think what kind of changes are are going to be maybe not changes but what the meditation can do for the growth of that child right and so when the neurology is being developed and growing and the brain is growing and uh, even just the body is growing that to be able to um, maintain certain brain states so like alpha um um specifically that there's there's going to be um like a kind of delayed effect later so that when they are teens and when they are getting into their 20s that there's something established in their brains that you know most kids don't get established because um of what affects like regular TV and video games and, you know, like social media use is going to do because it's the same thing, right? Like there's a kind of meditation that's involved in just looking at your screen and just like zoning into whatever you're watching, right? It's manipulating your brainwave states. So, um, yeah, I, I find that really, really interesting. And I'm sure there are studies like all over the place of this. And that's what's encouraging to me of, you know, how I think we're actually um, becoming better humans that um, aside from, you know, it's, what's happened over the last three years or whatever conflicts there are, that uh, there's something underlining humanity that, say, the elite or whoever don't have control or access to that is fundamental within the universe that is upgrading us 
naturally. And so there's like people like us um, and many others who are just aware of that. They're aware, oh, there's something happening in the universe. And I feel I, you know, call it intuition, whatever intelligence um, that I'm just feeling encouraged to be helpful and to be creative and to put myself out there in a positive and um, impactful way. You're absolutely right. I could not agree more. And I love, though, about the, uh, again, just with this meditation and kids thing, because it has just such this huge deal. People don't even have to be, it's not even a woo-woo thing. It's just a mindfulness thing that will actually help them in mind, uh, like business and in anything in the success world that they want. It teaches them to be very present. And these are skills that the workforce needs, you know. Um, so that's just another element to it. If somebody's listening to this, if they've made it this far in this awesome conversation, they're like, ah, that's just woo-woo. That part, that they lost me there. Um, it's like when my wife and I watch a superhero movie and all this crazy stuff's going on and all of a sudden, at the end of it, like this guy turns uh, giant and his eyeball pops out and he picks it up and puts it back in his inner head, in his head and she's like, nah. I'm like, that's where they lost you? It's in this whole movie of this all this awesome <laughs> stuff and that that was it. This is the part of the conversation where they're like, nah, that can't be it. But uh, it's one of those things that uh, is massively beneficial for everyone. So of course, you know, this is uh, always encouraged. And especially if you want to just bond with your kids, just sit there for five minutes with your eyes closed and just hang out, you know, uh, and then go mm -hmm. back to your screens and stuff, you know, even small little things like that, just incorporating them as an activity or just a bonding experience for you guys just to be present and with each other. Uh, so I wanted to ask about how you got introduced to psychedelics. What was that like? So I, I started smoking weed when I was 12. So it's drug use has been a part of my life for a majority of Damn, my life. You Canadians um, do it different, man. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, the first time I did mushrooms when I was 16 and, um, I did it with a friend of mine and we both ate four grams. So like my introduction to mushrooms was like borderline, uh, a hero dose. Um, and subsequently, like after that with my friends, like, you know, periodically we do mushrooms and it was always like four grams. And at that time it was obviously superficial, but then when I started getting into kind of new age spirituality and I started looking into like what the chakras are and, uh, what like, uh, the higher self is and like esoteric material, I started to think about psychedelic use a little differently because I started to wonder if there was a connection between what I was learning and what I was experiencing on the psychedelics. And so I started to do some more research on just what is happening in the brain and, and what these kind of substances are. And so my relationship to say like cannabis and, um, and mushrooms at the time changed drastically. And what ended up happening is when I was 19 years old, I had one of the most profound experiences of my life, um, concerning just like psychedelics and just generally, and, um, it's still an impactful like memory and still is like a, the cornerstone of the work that I do in future life progression because of what I experienced. And it's, um, you know, what drives my theory forward on, you know, the nature of consciousness and time and space and stuff. So, um, yeah. And it, and it came out of just my own curiosity of, um, what this stuff is, you know, and, um, yeah, like safe to say, I definitely don't do that much mushrooms <laughs> anymore, but, um, uh, I think when you're a little bit younger, there's this like edge to, um, being just like courageous, right. Of, you know, Oh man, what's going to happen. It's like a yeah. rite of passage. Yeah. Yeah. At that young age, that's how I saw it. Now. I mean, I have access to it all the time, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, I, once a year, maybe twice, and it's not even a crazy, you know, I'll maybe take a heroic dose or two in a year and that's it. So yeah, I keep yeah. it, I keep it chill. I don't microdose or anything like that. I don't uh, feel like that 
that's necessary for me. But yeah, every now and then, man, we'll have a good ego reset, you know, and it's, uh, it's always nice to connect. And it's very interesting because we live out here in the country. So I've got the best place in the world to do this, you know? Wow. So, uh, yeah, we just go down to the water, like my horse glows in the moonlight. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's really interesting. But, um, so have you, so tell me about your DMT experience. Yeah. So I've done DMT several times, but my first experience was, I think one of the most profound and, um, what year was that? I think that was 2014. And I was living in this like beautiful historical home that we called Sunbelly. There was, it was like a kind of co-op collective of six of us. And so um, it was myself and two other of my roommates and another one of our friend of ours and, um, another friend who's facilitating the whole journey, um, at her place. Um, cause her, I think her roommate at the time was able to make it cause you know, they got everything that they needed. And this is at a point in my yoga practice where I was like, I was fairly deep in it. I was practicing maybe like an hour to two hours a day, um, doing like really strong, uh, pranayama breathing techniques and just like asana practice. And, you know, even in my meditations, I'd be meditating for like an hour, hour and a half at a time. And, and so the, the energy around me, um, you know, it was really focused in on all of the, like, kind of like yoga myths of Krishna and Shiva and, and all those stories. And, and so when the, when the night came for us to do the trip, I was the first one to go. And, um, our friend facilitating was like, Hey, when you, when you take the hit, just like hold it in as long as you can and then let it out and lay down and then your trip will begin. So I, take my big hit. And it was like, uh, the most ghetto way, you know, we had like a two liter pop bottle and like, uh, <laughs> nice, <laughs> like yeah. basically like a lung, you know, and it was just brutal. Like, uh, um, the, the smoke was so hot. So I just like burned my throat and, um, yeah, but then I just like, I filled my lungs and held it and it just like tastes terrible. But as I'm holding my breath and I'm looking out in front of me, I see these like little dots appear and out of those dots, like spiral full on Fibonacci, like Mandelbrot sets that are like rainbow iridescent, purple, blue and green and, and red. And they start pulsing and I like exhale all the smoke out and I are like whatever's left. And I see all this happening and um, I'm just taken aback by it. Right. And I'm, I, I have my eyes open and I'm like just hallucinating immensely. And I'm sitting, uh, I put my, my legs in full Lotus and I suddenly feel this like, kind of like snap or a crack at the base of my spine. And it's like everything in my legs just like plug in and this golden white light just bursts open at the base of my spine and shoots up my spine and out my forehead and a portal opens up and i i'm just like sitting there in awe and krishna steps out of the portal and as krishna steps out all of a sudden it's like everything that krishna is comes out like i hear like chimes playing i hear like people chanting. I see like all this like rainbow, like iridescent colors coming off of him. I can smell incense and I'm just like basking in, in Krishna. And then he just like goes back into the portal and it, and it goes away. And I look at my friends and I was like, Holy shit, I just saw Krishna. And they're all like totally weirded out because, um, my friend like facilitating was like, you know, just like lay down. So they're, they're looking at me like, why isn't he laying down? Like, why is he still looking at us? And I look at my friends and I could feel each and every single one of them. So I look at my like one roommate, Chris, he's just like totally calm. 
hundred percent silent. I'm looking at him. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. That feels good. I look at my two other friends. They're like noticeably afraid and noticeably like I could feel it in them that they're like worried about something. And then I feel, and I look over to my friend facilitating and I hear her in her mind telling me lay down, lay down. Why don't you lay down? You should lay down, lay down, lay down lay down. And I was like, holy shit. And it like freaked me out. And I laid down and the whole trip changed. Um, have you ever seen the movie Logan's run? Yes. Okay. So, you know, the opening scene where he's like in that red room. Yes. Yeah. And he's like sitting in the chair and that like, and the AI is examining him. So I'm in that room, like 3d physical. I'm in that room. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm in the Logan's run like movie. Like, what the fuck? Like full on. And this voice comes in is like, everything you see here is what Hollywood uses to program your brain. So everything, the color, the scene, the actors, the music, the like direction, like absolutely everything is a package that goes into your brain and programs it. And it's like, so you have to be really careful with what you like watch and, and what you do. And if you are going to watch that stuff, like you have to be really careful. I was like, holy shit. And then, um, I opened my eyes for a second and to my left and to my right are these like two lamps and I, and I close them and suddenly they like feel like people. And I open my eyes and I'm like, okay, no, they're just lamps. And I close my eyes and they're like more like people. And I, and I open my eyes. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Cause now they're not just lamps. They're like full on, like a, a presence. Next time I close my eyes, I'm on a spaceship and the two lamps are now like alien humanoid people. And the one to my left has like this little tablet thing. That's like just going crazy on it. Not even paying attention to me, just like, and then the one to the right, right. Is this like woman and she has all of her attention on me. And it was like the craziest feeling. Like I've never felt that I've never had anyone like a hundred percent put all of their focus on me. And I was just looking at her and I'm, and I'm looking around the spaceship and then we're literally in space. Like I, I can see out the window and uh, she just says to me, everything's okay. Don't worry. We're just, we're just, looking at you we're just like taking some exams everything's fine you're fine nothing's gonna happen don't worry and then that just like goes away and everything's black again and the voice from like the logan's run scene comes back and i'm like just about to end the trip and i'm like whoa wait, wait, wait. who are you Right. Like I gained some like awareness and I'm like, where are you? Like, you've been guiding me this whole time. You've been talking to me. Where are you? And this voice says, what you see of me is only like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what I am. Because if I showed you the totality of my myself, you wouldn't be able to handle it. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And it was like, think of it this way. I am hundreds of millions of light years away from you right now. And, I, and then as it said that it like zoomed back and I was in space with it and it showed like how far away, but like how big it was and how easy it was to get to me. And then I just like, and then it just went away. Oh, there's one part I missed. So after the aliens and I, and I, was just about to interface with it. It starts to tell me you don't have like, you don't have to do drugs anymore. And I was like, what do you mean? And I just, I heard a snap and I was suddenly at the peak of MDMA, like noticeably, like I've done MDMA. I know exactly what it feels. I was just like flooded with MDMA and it snapped again. And I was just like flooded with acid and it was just completely different. It was just so involuntary and it snapped again and it came back and it was like, see, it's in you. It's in you. And then that's when I was like, wait, who are you? 
and then it showed me and then i came back and got up and was like wow <laughs> tmt is amazing <laughs> dude that is the coolest story i've ever heard in my life like that that was the coolest story I've ever heard in my life. That's insane. Uh, it just, the um, way you recounted it. So uh, I, I want to ask you something though. So uh, we do uh, discuss UFOs and stuff like that. Uh, Non-human intelligence is quite a bit on the show. And there's an interesting observation I've been making just between the hypnotic state, the psychedelic state, especially that DMT, um, astral travel, and then also the abduction phenomenon that they're probably all connected. Meaning that you may transition your consciousness into an area to where they have access or where they already are and where maybe you are and maybe you're just on a ship somewhere with this stuff going on and you're just thinking that you're here you're in some sort of cryo thing or it's like a travel game or something i don't know but let's say um that so my question is is when you were on the ship uh were you on a table or anything or were you just hanging out with them as like one of them as like a guest rather than a, a subject yeah i was on a table it was like a white like rectangular flat table and it was like kind of up on an angle but not really it was like a soft kind of angle and uh, i was just laying there and i still had like my clothes on and um and i i was just like yeah i felt super safe like there was nothing there that was like they were taking anything from me or they needed me for something they were just like yeah we're just checking up on you seeing how things are going and you know you'll be back where you came from it, it's like this idea of the hollow earth okay so if you're a subscriber to that idea there are many entrances to the hollow earth there's a bunch of them and so this is kind of one of the things i'm thinking about here is that number one uh, entities or non-human intelligences these aliens whatever uh, are connected to all of the high strangest phenomena like um poltergeist activity or uh, the paranormal or bigfoot or any of that stuff it's it's i feel the investigation that i've done has led me to believe that that's probably pretty accurate but in this instance now you've just more confirmed that what you really were was technically abducted but not technically because you kind of invited yourself there you were like, I'm going to unplug for a little bit, go into this dimension, and boom, there they are. Like, you were always there, but they kind of, not hijack or grab, they just obtain your astral body while you're out there, you're having this experience. Uh, and it's funny, though, how you said that it immediately switched. So it's almost like, you know, you're like this beacon whenever you're in that. You know, you're not supposed to be there, like you stand out, you know, you flash like a bright light in the dark. Uh, whenever someone from this place transitions into that place in that state of consciousness, again, this can be facilitated through hypnotic states, psychedelics, uh, all kinds of stuff. So perhaps uh, then this is what happened. You know, basically you're just kind of snatched up for a little bit and then you were brought back whenever the time of the DMT in your system brought you back to a baseline, man. Um, that's interesting. Have you ever thought of it like that, like an, an an abduction? Um, no, I don't think of it as an abduction. I think of it as um, those are people that I know, and there is a condition placed on human consciousness to not remember or not know who they are because i've had many experiences of going into ships um and i've had funny ones too so um in 2014 i went to costa rica for envision festival and um I was just like tenting in the jungle and I caught wind like early on that you want to just kind of like take care of your tent, take care of your stuff because there are people who go around at night and just like steal people's shit. So I just did day vibes. So I would wake up at six in the morning, do my yoga practice, hang out all day, all evening. And then I would go to my tent at around 11 o'clock and go to bed. So one night I'm laying in my tent, it's around like 1130 and this like epic, epic trance music is playing like immediately hypnotic. Like, I don't even know how this happened. I was just laying in my bed and suddenly I'm just like, I kind of go numb, but I'm not going numb. I just like immediately leave my body because of this music is just like, just so hypnotic. And I find myself just like floating up 
into space and I see myself like floating higher and higher and higher. And I just like float right into a ship. I, it was like the strangest thing. I just like was standing there and I was in this ship and I see people like walking around and doing their thing. And all at once, everyone stops and looks at me. And this one person's like, he's not supposed to be here. Yes. Yes. And I was like, Oh shit. And then they sent me back to my body. They were like, he's not supposed to be here. He's not supposed to be here. And it was just like, boom. And I just like hit my body and passed out. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, holy shit, what happened last night? And I had to like recount. And I was like, oh my God, I went into a ship and I hit my body and I immediately passed out. (laughs) Dude, again, incredible story. So, uh, do you did you phase through the ship or was a door open and then you no, went into the ship? I went right through it, like right from the bottom. I just like like came up and then I was just like in it. And it was still like it wasn't so solid. Like it still felt kind of fuzzy, you know, yeah, like, like it was still rendering. Yeah. Or like the spell was being uh wearing off a little bit, the spell that you're under now that keeps you in this idea, this state, this uh yeah. reality, this illusion. Uh so you know, it reminds me of that uh Truman show, you know, that movie, whenever um they're the, he goes into a bank or something like that and the elevator doors open and people get on but they don't and he turns around and then a back opens to it and it's like the whole backstage area and people are hanging out eating food and stuff like that and he comes running back in and sees that that's kind of like what it feels like and they're like oh shit and they kind of you know fix everything real quick as to not give away what's really going on uh that's fascinating dude it's it's like this it's like this um thinned veil this uh consciousness slip you know it's like this um this this ability to just transmute what's actually happening here and see it and then even the entities on the other side that seem to be not only completely aware of it, but kind of running it or in it, in on it somehow, they're surprised to see you. They're like, oh shit, you know, he's he's here. What are you doing? And then they (laughs) have the power to cast you back. It's wild because you you hear this in abduction cases as well, that they, whoever they are, have just some sort of power over your motor skills and your ability to move and, and to do anything but be paralyzed. So they can turn you off, you know, physically. They can just switch you off and you have no control over this. Uh, so it's interesting. It's it does seem to be happening on a pretty damn deep level. And I think your your experiences are fascinating though, dude. Yeah. And um, you know, ever since I was a teenager, I was fascinated by UFOs. And my dad and I would always watch all these like crazy kind of like history channel, discovery channel stuff. And um the thing that I never allowed myself to get into is like the seriousness, you know, have sometimes you hear the UFO stories and they're like, they're really serious about it. And the thing that I learned um, from interacting with these beings um, just like through dreams and psychedelics and stuff like that um, was to just have fun with it Yeah, is not yeah. to take it so serious. And I, and I think, having fun with it is what actually enables you to have more experiences with it. And, and that it's so spontaneous that sometimes it takes doing something pretty far out to get to that experience. Right. Like when I went to Costa Rica, I was in the middle of university and I went during like reading week. And I remember uh, like, I just went by myself and I remember being on the plane to Costa Rica, sitting there being like, Oh fuck. How am I going to get to the festival? I don't speak Spanish. I don't know where I'm going. And this like guy with dreads is like sitting, um, two seats across from me or beside me. And he just looks at me and he's like, Hey man, are you going to envision? And I was like, yeah, I am. And he's like, uh, do you speak Spanish? I was like, Nope. And he's like, you're here by yourself. And I was like, yeah. He's like, dude. Okay you're going to have to come with me because there's no way (laughs) you're going to successfully. So this like guy, like just like totally saved me and like took me on this adventure. He like took me to like Orosi, um, which is like this little tiny, like, um, village, um, in like inland, um, Costa Rica, where his friend like built like a, like a hostel and a, and a hotel. And I just remember being in this guy's like souped up fucking crazy truck, driving up this mountain, smoking weed that he just like grew himself and suddenly getting a panic attack being like, wait, 
who the fuck are these yeah, people yeah. and why am I in a truck <laughs> and why am I not studying for stats and why am I in Costa Rica? <laughs> and we're just like driving up this mountain to go check out their earth ships. And then just like, he's like, yo, check out. He's like, yo, smoke this joint. It's a totally different, like totally different strain. And I smoke that one. And it's just like all of that paranoia goes away. And I'm just like, whoa, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Like driving up these like mountains and um and then this fellow i think his name is josh yeah just like helped me get to the festival and he was like all right man i'll see you later and then just like disappeared and i like didn't ever see him <laughs> that's amazing that's one of those spirit guide things you know that's one of those interactions it's uh divine timing of course and that's badass man dude yeah. that is that's awesome man um well i think that we're gonna wrap it on this one man uh but i've really really enjoyed having you on dude you're welcome of course any damn time uh before we go i want to shout out uh andre mitty for uh sending me this shirt ascension of the chessman here there you go uh, video nice. audience there yeah no it's very comfortable in fact uh, I'm going to link it down in the show notes uh, next to alt media and of course I'm going to link the um, union of the unwanted that you and I met on so that they could see why I had to have you on dude but of course this conversation is going to be reason enough so uh, dude I can't thank you enough man I really really do appreciate your time like I said brother you are welcome anytime you're fascinating perfect man thank you so much for having me I uh, love telling my stories because these experiences um, are just kind of tucked away in my brain and sometimes I forget how crazy and how uh, intense they are so yeah we have fascinating stories and so next time I'll have to ask you about the second time you did DMT but we'll save that for next time man that's awesome I can't wait yeah there's ayahuasca in there too so we have lots to talk about yeah for sure The incredible fella. I told you, thank you so much, Yogi Zoranada, for your time. Make sure that you guys check out the show notes for his book, Future Life Progression, as well as a few of the reference links that we reference, the Alt Media United, which is the podcast collective that we are a, both a part of, uh, as well as the Union of the Unwanted episode where Yogi and I met, uh, the spiritual episode, which features uh, such favorites as Christopher the Astro Medium was on that one, uh, Amy Belair was there, and many, many others. So you'll make sure you check that one out as well. It's link down there so check it uh also go on ahead and if you would like to expand your experience with us here on the show you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast.com that is where links to all of the stuff like socials and merchandise and rock fan for premium content and a bunch of other cool content creators are over there as well so make sure that you guys check that out if that's something that you're into uh, other than that, guys, go out into this beautiful, beautiful place and y'all pick up a piece of litter. Be nice to everybody that you come across, open doors, smile at folks. It's not hard. Uh, if you want to up the game a little bit as far as uh, sending out a good vibration, you can do so by buying somebody in line around you a coffee or a meal or just something small, guys. It's easy, but it makes a massive difference. While you're out there kicking ass at the vibrational ascension game, go ahead and get out of that left-hand lane. And of course, and as always, y'all go out out into this beautiful place, whatever the hell it is, and y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.